You're listening to a podcast of spurious morality. And it could all go wrong. Maybe it already has. Maybe it did about five episodes ago. We just don't know. Welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Johnston, and this week I'm joined by Connor. Hello, Connor. Hello. And at this point, I normally say something along the lines of our theme for this week is big finish releases or season by season, or we're having a chat with somebody that works for Big Finish. Or we're not doing that this week. Um, we're, we're just going to talk about Doctor Who for a bit, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just here for another. We're just going to have a natter because um, <laughs> <laughs> we've realised we don't do this. We kind of we we talk for like half an hour before we record. We talk for half an hour after record, and it, it, it's all really nice. It's all really nice sort of Doctor Who chatter, um, and we never get to share any of that on the podcast. So we've decided that this week we're kind of going in. We've still got a little bit of a plan, but we're not really going in with our usual kind of plan, and we are just going to have conversation about Doctor Who um, and and various things related to it. So, again, you know, every now and again we do a spoiler warning. It's a bit difficult to do here because it could go anywhere. So if you don't like Doctor Who spoilers, if you don't want anything from the last 60 years spoiled, maybe maybe just don't listen to this one just yet. Catch up on the last, on the last 60 years. And, and that's then, the sound uh, of all our listeners tuning out. <laughs> yeah. So we've lost everybody because they've not seen the horns of Nymon. Um, and, you how, know, many, how, how many horns of Nymon have you seen today? How many how many horns of Nymon have lost as listeners today? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're just going to sort of generally talk about that, that, that little TV program that we occasionally chat about on this podcast. Um, I mean, I suppose the, the kind of obvious point to start is, um, you know, we talk about Big Finish a lot. We listen to a lot of Big Finish. Um, talk about your listening. Tell us what you've been listening to recently, Connor. What have you been listening to? We used to do this and we don't do this anymore. So let's talk about that. I, I know. And I always love those. I always love getting to talk about the recent things that, that, I've, that I've been listening to. Um, I've actually been listening to a lot, uh, a lot more. Uh, over the last few weeks than I than I have done for the last little while. Um, by virtue of, I've got back into sort of making up my own little series and putting those on um, to, to listen to in the car on the way to work. Um, I'm halfway through a little run of Third Doctor Adventures at the moment, 
which is basically I'm just doing the first two sets, the four stories. Well, I say the first two sets. It's the first two sets I own. I don't have volume one of the third Doctor Adventures. Um, and I'll be very churlish and admit that I've avoided it because it's narrated and the others aren't. And that's very, like, I'm, I'm happy with the uh, early adventures. But for some reason, because I've listened to the third Doctor Adventures without narration, I don't want to listen to the set that, that does have it. And I'm aware I'm probably missing out. Um, but the little run I'm doing at the moment is I've put volume one, or volume two, sorry, volume two and volume three back to back. Um, and I'm doing that as a little run of those early third Doctor stories because I quite like them. Um, and I quite like the restrictions, if that's the right word, that the range had at the time, um, because it felt like they sort of had to do something new and of their own. They sort of formed almost their own little identity, distinct from the Third Doctor's era on TV, because it was just the Third Doctor and Joe. There was no Brigadier, there was no unit. There was none of that sort of traditional unit family structure or locations or characters to fall and of back course, on. No master. And no master as well, yes. Which transcendence of Ephros? I I will praise transcendence of Ephros, um, every single time it's mentioned because it's one of my favourites. I was a little bit sceptical about them recasting the Third Doctor to begin with, um, because John Pertwee was the very first classic Doctor I ever saw, um, and I saw a few of his serials before I saw any other classic Doctor, um, and he has quite he has a very distinct voice and he has a very distinct sort of performance. And I'm not going to go over this all again because I've said it before on the on the show and all, but Tim Trelore captures the essence of the character really, really well. And the first I listened to the first free episode of the Transcendence of Everos, and that was enough. I knew that was enough to convince me. One episode pulled me in, and I totally got immersed um, in his performance and was totally able to picture the Third Doctor, no problem. Um. And spoilers for the Transcendence of Ephros, as I said earlier, it makes a real virtue of not having the Master by giving us Mother Finzi, who's a former companion of the Master, comes out of the blue. That's one of the best twists in any big Finnish story I've ever heard. It's it's an excellent cliffhanger when it's revealed. It's it, it it's as good as like any Master reveal cliffhanger. Um, it, it really is done kind of in the vein of a... And the Master's here now, which is actually probably more of an 80s thing. You know, I'm thinking like King's Demons or uh, Time Flight. Uh, it's kind of done a little bit like that, but you don't see it coming because Mother Finzi isn't credited as being played by Leon Nite or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic cliffhanger. It's a fantastic reveal. And it, it it's it's such a good way to use not having the Master. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I this it, it it came out, or I listened to it around about the time that there was rumours that there was going to be a new fourth Doctor companion, um, and that eventually turned out to be Anne Kelso. Um, yes. But when I was listening to this, I thought, oh, maybe they've put in because I knew the fourth Doctor Adventures recorded so far ahead. I thought, oh, maybe this is a little early bird appearance, you know, that the Doctor's meeting are out of order, and maybe this is going to be, you know, it's just like Mother Finzi talks about. Um, having this wise man that she knew and travelled with and learned from. And it's in the story, it's her sort of trying to... It's presented, you know, as putting her and Joe together as an analogue. And I thought maybe the twist in this is going to be that she's a future companion of the Doctor after he has... You know, after she's finished travelling with him. Um, And it's only about... It was only about 30 seconds before 
she reveals that she actually traveled with the master that I worked it out, um, who it was she traveled with. My jaw hit the floor and I didn't believe it until she said it. And I was so, so happy whenever that paid off and that last cliffhanger comes around that she traveled with the master. She's a brilliant character. Um, it's a brilliant twist and it's a brilliant story. Um, and I, I, I still go back to it as the jewel in the early third Doctor Adventures crime. You see, I the first time I heard the first set, the one you've not heard, I I kind of got on with it absolutely fine. I'm like, okay, it's early adventures, but with the third Doctor. And I knew that what came next didn't have narration and I carried on. And I did, I have to admit, prefer no narration what came after. However, earlier this year, I did a... Um, I'm in the habit of building myself these huge marathons uh, and I've sort of done this over the last couple of years, kind of built these all, all-encompassing all big finished marathons to listen to. And one that I did was The Third Doctor, and it was everything, absolutely everything, big finish have done featuring The Third Doctor. So Companion Chronicles, Short Trips, uh, Scourge of the Cybermen went in there. Um, and the the two stories in that first set, they're actually um, set quite in quite different places in the third doctor's timeline uh, according to the guide that is on the big finish listeners group on facebook i use that guide as a kind of starting point and sort of branch out from there make a few sort of creative decisions myself and so on um but um the thing that i noticed while going through it was Actually, it, they didn't stand out that much. The narration didn't stand out that much at all. Like these stories, they didn't feel particularly different. They didn't feel particularly outlandish. And they fitted perfectly well in the marathon. And as I say, I didn't listen to them one after the other. I listened to one. I think one was fairly early on and one was quite a bit later. Um, I think the guide had the first one set as around uh, season eight, whereas the second one was during season 10. So there's quite a gap there. Um, and yeah, I just, it, it fit in perfectly. It didn't stand out. It didn't feel strange. Uh, so I would recommend going for that first set because it's not quite as disconcerting as you expect. Uh, particularly now you've heard quite a few third doctor adventures. Um, it's different. It, you know, it, it isn't just like listening to an early adventure or just like listening to a third doctor adventure, but it's it's not enough to put you off, and they're actually two very good, very fun stories. I really must get around to them. It is a very game. Like I've I've got every other set of Third Doctor adventures that has come out since then, um, and it's not it's it it is a gaping hole in my in my catalogue. Um, so I will get around to it at some stage. There's 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 no doubt about that. Um, but um. I'm I'm just working through these ones at the moment. The the these first it's the first, it's or rather it's the it's it's as I said it's the second and third volumes, uh, which is what I think of as the first four stories in the range, um, and I keep making that mistake, um, but I I remember quite liking, I I I just today I just today finished the Hidden Realm, which is the second one, um, yeah. in that set, which is the Doctor and Joe in a sort of invasion of the body snatchers sort of thing. Um, and that's brilliant. I love that feeling. It's very, very cozy. Um, 
which is a, a feeling I associate with the third Doctor's era anyway. Um, but this is sort of all turned up to the max, and it's all it's all um, little nice English village, and um, there's there's this nice little old lady character pottering about through it all, and then she turns out to be a villain near the end. Um, there's or, a running or, theme or, of nice little old ladies through. turning out to be the villain <laughs> in the third Doctor Adventures. Like there's there's a definite old lady agenda. <laughs> it's, fun it's fun though and they're both they're both great characters as well um i'd never actually noticed that before and that's in the same set as well um but that's that's um that's part of why i'm loving this as well actually just to go on a complete tangent there um that's part of the why i'm loving this is that i very rarely listen to big finish sets the whole way through and it does feel a bit like an you know it does feel a little bit of a novelty when you do it now or when I do it now, um, like I would sort of tend to mix and match and like Transcendence of Ephros and the Hidden Realm actually I think they take place out of order because Transcendence is obviously halfway through season ten. Um I think it's after Frontier, um, because the Doctor mentions knowing the president uh of Earth. Um and then the second one he compl- the second story he complains about the TARDIS um being out of action. And that's you know that's obviously comes before that then. Um, but I I enjoy that I I enjoy this that I'm going in and I've started a set and I'm listening to it the whole way through and I'm gonna, obviously going to do that with a third volume as well. Um, it feels very rare for me to do that and and I'm enjoying this novelty of listening to to a, a whole CD set in in sequential or in you know in in its proper order, and I'm aware that's probably I'm I, I I, probably the nerdiest thing I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm deaf. I'm not claiming that this listening order I came up with early in the year is perfect at all. Uh, but I did find that a lot of the third Doctor adventures they are kind of spread about the timeline. It was very, very rare that uh, one story from one set followed another kind of thing. It was a little bit all over the place and. Even, I mean, the first, was it the first six sets that were purely the Third Doctor and Joe? Yes. Um, they were all over the place. Like, they were, and it, it was great having them scattered in between Companion Chronicles and Short Trips as well. Um, it, it really sort of added a bit of variety. It was, oh, it's full cast today, and then tomorrow it's Companion Chronicle. And it, it was actually quite nice. It, it was a really interesting way of experiencing this alternative i guess third doctor era um and you know there's an awful lot of joe like i I didn't realize how much katie manning had actually done with big finish you know when you add together uh companion chronicles and all the short trips and you know she's been in the most third doctor adventures um she's done an awful lot but at the same time uh Liz Shaw, like the season seven kind of part of the Third Doctor's era, was really, really expanded. There was a lot more to Liz. Liz was really allowed to grow as a character. You had some absolutely brilliant stuff uh, that Caroline John did before she, you know, sadly died. Um, but also with the new stuff, with the Daisy Ashford stuff playing Liz, uh, that fits in really nicely. And again, it wasn't daunting to go from a Caroline John Companion Chronicle to a Daisy Ashford audio. It just worked really nicely. And it was very much, well, you know, this is Liz and she's such a great character and she's been played 
in you know by two different people but very very well um it was a really rewarding experience to kind of follow Lizzie's story beyond her original four adventures and it was absolutely fantastic because there was quite a bit of listening time between season seven and then when I got to Primord um there was a good chunk there and there's a lot of stuff of you know oh Liz I haven't seen you for such a long time it really felt like that it really felt like both characters have moved on and we were revisiting Liz after a long time yes I I I would love Big Finish to dig in sort of more to that what you could call season 7b period um and the one story i've heard that does it really well and sort of gets into the material i want to to, is uh the unsal incursion because that sort of goes into that that does sort of start foreshadowing why liz leaves and i think there's scope and potential and would be there on day one for uh big finish doing season 7b as a series and building up you know, this story arc that ends with Liz leaving. And I would love for them to play out Liz's reasons for doing so and giving her as a character a little bit more agency than the TV series gave Carol and John, I suppose. You see, I I absolutely love uh, season seven. It's, but you know, it, it's a very, very sort of, it's almost boring thing to say, but it's one of my favourite seasons of Doctor Whoever, season seven. It's absolutely fantastic. A lot of people share that view. Um... I would actually quite like, and this is a very big finish thing to do. They've done this quite a lot. I'd actually quite like big finish to bring back Liz alongside Joe once the Doctor's got the TARDIS fixed. Uh, there is precedent for this. Obviously, we've got Primord, which features Liz and Joe. Uh, but there's a book as well by David A. McKinty, uh, The Wages of Sin, where the third Doctor has just got the TARDIS working again. And the first thing he does is get Liz to come along with him and Joe as he does a, a flight. And they go back to sort of pre-revolutionary Russia and meet Rasputin and all that. And it works really well. Like the Doctor, Joe and Liz are a really good TARDIS team. Uh, it certainly works in that book. I'd actually really, really like um, a big finish to have a go at doing that kind of thing. Also, Primord kind of ended in a way where there could be some interesting third doctor and liz sort of relationship strained kind of stuff and it'd be quite nice for big finish to explore that as well so actually i'd quite like to hear some third doctor joe and liz stories i I think there's i think that would be a really interesting thing for them to do it'd be an interesting route for them to take i i would say something slightly differently Pardon me, sorry. I would say something slightly different about that. I think the best thing Big Finish could do with Liz is um, bring her back after the, the Doctor has regenerated into the Fourth Doctor and has cleared away off into time and space with Sarah Jane. I think the best thing they could do is because we have a present-day unit series, we have a 1990s slash early 2000s set Big Finish series in Brave New World. I think what Big Finish is missing is a classic unit series. And I think the best thing they could do with Liz Shaw is after the Doctor has left and is no longer present at unit on a day-to-day basis, would be to for the Brigadier to bring her back and give her the scientific advisor job that he had meant to give her in the first place um, and do a sort of Avengers uh, or X-Files sort of take on classic unit. They could call it 
unit the 1970s or is it 80s? Ha ha ha. <laughs> I've heard worse titles. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, that's actually a very interesting idea. And we've got a big Finnish Brigadier now. We've got a big Finnish Liz. Yeah, why on earth not? This 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 could be quite fun. Um, and it's it'd be interesting to see sort of what happens to the unit team at that point because obviously Benton is still around and canonically the last well no not canonically actually because Big Finish have fixed this but on TV the last time we see Benton he's on the ground unconscious in the android invasion and I did once suggest maybe he wasn't unconscious maybe he was dead Maybe the androids killed Benton. Maybe Benton was actually killed in the android invasion and we all missed it. Um, and I, 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 I want them to fix that. I want there to be a scene set shortly after the android invasion where Benton's not dead and he goes, oh, those androids nearly killed me, but they didn't. <laughs> what about you? What have you been listening to recently? Um, so I have just completed what I've been referring to as the Tomathon, uh, and this was something that I sort of planned. I, I wanted to do in the 60th anniversary year. I didn't know how long it was going to take me, uh, but I decided I was going to do pretty much anything set within the Fourth Doctor's era. Um, so I started planning that out again. I used this guide from uh, the Big Finish listeners group on Facebook and started just plotting out my toms in order. Um, and then I sort of thought, well, if I'm doing the Ankelso stuff, I kind of want to do Dalek Universe as well. I want to do, you know, Tenth Doctor stuff. And I thought, well, if I'm doing Dalek Universe, I probably want to do all the other Tenth Doctor stuff as well. Uh, so I ended up plotting a marathon that was the Fourth Doctor up until, um... Uh, well, Leela left, basically. Leela left, and then I did Ness Cottage. And then I moved on to the Tenth Doctor. And then um, I kind of went through all of the Tenth Doctor stuff up until, again, chronologically, based on this guide, all of the Tenth Doctor stuff up until before Dalek Universe. Then I did the Ankelso series. Then I did Dalek Universe. Then I did the last few things... Um, from the 10th Doctor, so Out of Time, which all three releases seem to be set one after the other right at the end of the 10th Doctor's era. But while I was planning that, I thought, well, if I'm doing 10th Doctor stuff, and this just spiralled out of hand, really, if I'm doing 10th Doctor stuff, I want to do all the 10th Doctor era spin-off stuff as well. So Dimension Canon, Year of Martha Jones, Donna Noble Kidnapped, uh, Doctor's Daughter, uh, Lady Christina... Uh, Tales from Newer. So all of this got worked into this ridiculous mega marathon. And in the end, it ended up being sort of over 200 episodes, about 250 episodes in total. Um, and that's a lot of big finish. Um, and it was really good. And then I, I finished Dalek Universe, finished the 10th Doctor, and I picked up uh, where Romana joined the 4th Doctor. And I kind of did the end of that and worked my way through both Romana's and that fantastic series Big Finish did that set during eSpace uh, towards the end. A um, few short trips to finish it off. The last one in the run was Erasure, 
which is uh, told from Narvin's point of view. It's a short trip told from Narvin's point of view. Um, and it seems to be the last thing that happens to the Fourth Doctor and Adric before Logopolis. Um, and it was huge. It was ridiculous. I listened to all sorts. It did get out of hand. I did make this sort of really long list of all of this to listen to. Um, and you know what? It was absolutely brilliant. I really do feel like I've travelled through an alternative version of the Fourth Doctor's era. And I've just realised that even though I've gone through all of that, that's not all of it. Because before I listened to um, the Anne Kelso stuff, I did a mini First Doctor marathon as well. I did Dalek's Master Plan with all of the Sarah Kingdom companion chronicles and early adventures in between parts seven and eight. And then a few other things from sort of set around season four as well, just for kind of, I suppose, I think I refer to it as like emotional context. Um, and and, and it, was, it was this really big sprawling marathon. I just wanted to listen to Tom Baker at Big Finish. And I ended up listening to everything Tom Baker's done with them, everything David Tennant's done with them, and a good chunk of sort of season three first Doctor set stuff as well. Um, if I had to pick some highlights, uh, Nest Cottage was absolutely brilliant. It was so much fun. It was really sort of quirky and different in the middle of this run. It, it was it was almost like a breath of fresh air after a lot of Fourth Doctor and Leela uh, big finish stuff, which was all great. I really enjoyed, but it was just such like a, a pivot to go on to Nest Cottage. Um, I really, really enjoyed uh, the... Um, novel adaptations uh, with uh, the second Romana and Canine. Um, and I, as I said before, really enjoyed the, uh, I think it was Fourth Doctor Adventures Series 9, which was set during uh, the eSpace run. Um, and it's really good for Canine. I've often said on this podcast, like, Canine does not get his fair share of a big finish. However, during this run, he really did. Like, it's a really good series for him. I think he gets definitely destroyed forever this time in every single story but he's back by the end of it so it's fine it's actually been ages since i listened to those novel adaptations and i don't think i've ever done them in order because they do almost sort of form a little series um starting i suppose with the romance of crime going into the english way of death and then ending up with uh i've forgotten the name of that last story the well-mannered war well-mannered war now i I did do it as like that, as we said, but it kind of the other little thing in that sort of series of not quite fourth doctor adventures was uh, the doomsday contract, which I fit in immediately after well-mannered war, um, which obviously doesn't resolve the big black guardian, everything from eighties doctor who doesn't count cliffhanger at the end of well-mannered war, but we can ignore that. We can just assume an off-screen adventure happened in the land of fiction and then they came back and the doomsday contract happened see that's the thing see with that cliffhanger that cliffhanger i always assumed that they did end up in some strange and terrible alternate dimension could be the land of fiction could be whatever um i always assumed that was the last thing before they come back in season 18 all dar and and the doctor's mood all changed whatever happens to him in that story and i don't want to know what happens there you know, that's, I like that little headcanon mystery, whatever happened on that strange and dreadful adventure, is what makes him the way he is then throughout season 18 with the totally changed wardrobe and, you know, slightly more moody outlook on things. 
you see Big Finish have kind of ruined that for you because um, the first half of the Fourth Doctor Adventures, I think it's Series 6, so the we had a series with Romana set during Season 17 and then this series is set during Season 18, but actually the first four stories are set before the Leisure Hive, so they're, they're kind of the gap. So that's that's why I put Doomsday Contract in as kind of the finale to season seventeen, and then moved on to. Um, I'm trying to remember what the first story is. The Jago and Lightfoot one. Um, is it the Beast of Cravenos? Yes, it is. Uh, so that was kind of the very first season eighteen era story, and then you've got Eternal Battle, and it goes on from there. Um, so yeah, Doomsday Contract was kind of my season 17 finale and I thought it was the best way to finish season 17 because it's very, very, it's very Douglas Adams-y, it's written by Nev Fountains, there's a lot of his humour in there as well. Um, and, and Well, it was adapted by Nev Fountain, I should say. Um, it, it was just kind of one last big hurrah for Isn't It All Great When Things Are A Bit Silly and then those first four season 18 stories that are set actually before the Leisure Hive, they're kind of the segue. They're kind of, there's bits of season 17 in there, but it sort of slowly is moving towards season 18 and it uses the season 18 theme, but you know, big finish accuracy and theme tunes isn't, it's a discussion for another day. But um, yeah, I did find it was actually a, it was a gradual change in tone. It wasn't this thing's happened and now the Doctor's a bit grumpy. It was sort of a slow movement between Beast of Kravenos and then, you know, Leisure Hive and Megloss happen and then the last four stories um, of that that series happen, which ends with the uh, the two-parter. It's a Mark Platt two-parter. Um, the Skin of the Sleek and The Thief Who Stole Time, I think it is. Um, and then after that, we are we're into East Base, and we're very, very season eighteen. Um, but a lot of people have often argued that the Leisure Hive and Megloss are a lot more light-hearted than the rest of season eighteen. So that's fine. Uh, you know, a Leisure Hive has the arrest the scarf joke. Megloss is Megloss. Um, so it, it, I think it is. It, it kind of fits that Big Finish do this gradual move towards the tone of season 18 and kind of expand on that. Yeah, that's fair. I don't actually, the only two, I, I was going to say the only, I was going to say the only one, then I was going to say the only two. I've heard three of those season 18 stories um, from the two-parter series. Um, I've heard the Sontaran one, which I've forgotten it, the name of. Eternal Battle. Eternal Battle. It's great. I, I really like it. It's a great it's, story. It's zombie Sontarans. What's not to love? It's, it's it's brilliant. It's 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 a really good concept. Um, I've also done um, the silent scream, which I I I don't remember thinking very favorably of at the time. I think I would do more so now, uh, looking back on it. Um, and I'm sure I've done another one as well, actually, but I can't actually remember what it is just off the top of my head here. And I'm going to very quickly look and see. Uh, if I can see which one it was, um, but I don't remember. I remember being. See, I, I usually um, edit out the mid-podcast googling, but I'm going to keep this in because we're improvising. 
Yes, and the suspense is yes. killing me. I, I want to this know is, which one it was. This is legitimate. This happens nearly every episode, listeners. <laughs> Mid-podcast Googling. I just edit it out usually, but you're getting all of this. This is <laughs> uncensored Googling. Seriously, I think it must be on iTunes on my laptop, and I'm going to have to open that and look it up. Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not I'm, I am editing out mid-podcast iTunes on my laptoping. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it, okay, it's I, two I've heard. There we go, two that you've heard. Um, I I really like that run. I, I I've heard people say that it's not very season eighteeny, um, and I I kind of understand that, but. As I say, as a as more of a sort of transitional, we're moving into season eighteen now kind of thing. I think it actually works really well. It's it's not season seventeen. It's definitely different. The tone has changed, and it's that big finish. When they do season eighteen, they do it very well. I think season eighteen is very unique. It's its own beast. It, you know, it's got its even production wise, it was very much its own thing. Um, it's got its own tone, it's got its own identity in a way that not many other series or seasons of Doctor Who have. Uh, season 18 does, season 7 does, season 17 does. Um, I'd argue that 21 does as well. Like A lot of people disagree with me on that one, but I think season 21 is way different to the other two, the other two Davison seasons, and it's a long, long, long way off uh, season 22. Um, but yeah, it really does have its own identity. And um, I, Big Finish capture it quite well. But they didn't 100% do Out and Out Season 18 for the Fourth Doctor Adventures. I keep saying it's Series 6. I'm sure it's Series 6. Um, but like they did something that was kind of halfway between 17 and 18. And eventually it does get there. It does become 18. Uh, with the finale but it, it feels like it's moving and the way the doctor is feels like it's sort of changing it's somewhere in between and then when they do do the season 18 series set during e space so we're well during season 18 here um it, it's undeniably season 18 it, it couldn't be anything else um and that to this day uh the fourth doctor adventures season nine series nine is my absolute favourite. I think Chase the Night is probably the highlight of the entire range. It's just a masterpiece. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think the Fourth Doctors are a very the Fourth Doctor stories are a very different beast now compared to what they used to be. Um, and I think I, I I prefer the the like they've got longer. They've gone for the four part the, the uh, four part stories more recently, which is my preference. You know, I think I I, I enjoy two parter stories. Um, but I think certainly for Doctor Who, it suits a four-part former, a, a four-part, a four, uh, tongue-tied. I think it suits a four-part format better than uh, the two-part one that the Fourth Doctor stories used to go for. Um, and like I again, I spoke about this fairly recently on the show. Um, the most recent series of Fourth Doctor stories with Layla and Margaret are. Probably the best this that they've ever been, um, for me anyway. Um, really, really strong. That's a wee mixture. There's there's a couple of two parters in there, but I think that's a, that's the pinnacle of the range for me. Where you've had this little ongoing story arc, um, 
with the longer stories, uh, I think that's I think that's what it suits better, and that's that's where I've had the most enjoyment out of it. Yeah, it it was an incredibly good run. I I did really really enjoy it, and uh, there were some really good stories in there actually, and. Yet again, uh, the Weeping Angels on audio were just excellent. Like I, I don't know how or why they work so well on audio. They are such a visual villain. They were designed to be visual. Um, but Big Finish has really got the Weeping Angels right, and they've basically done it with a couple of sound effects. Absolutely, yes. They've that's that as you that is as you say that could have gone really wrong, but big finish from the word go right back in fallen angels made it work. Yeah, and they have made it work every time ever since, and that's no mean feat. Um, I'm looking forward. I've never actually heard any of the stories with the silence either, um, and that's also quite a that's that's quite a difficult. I can imagine that being quite a difficult thing to get right on audio, and I'm really looking forward to hearing how well that's done in the next classic Doctor's new monster set. I um, really liked the uh, the unit silence set, which was it was one of the earlier ones. Unit silenced was it third or fourth? I think it was third. It was the third unit set, and they really used the silence well. And it was a direct sequel to um, series six. Uh, as well um, so it kind of picked up on the moon landing uh, footage and all that kind of thing and led on from that uh, and it basically had the silence driving people to the far right to regain control 40 years after um, the events of day of the moon and yeah it worked really really well it was it was a really good set must do that next time there's a unit seal on yeah, it's definitely worth grabbing. It's, I'd have it as the best set from the first sort of four or five, uh, certainly. When they were doing the entire box set is one story, uh, which I think they dropped on. I can't remember if it was the fourth or fifth set, but they dropped it fairly early on. Uh, but yeah, they did. The entire set is one story, and that one story was the silence of trying to regain control of Earth and units are the only people that can stop it but they can't actually remember who the silence are it's been ages for actually from what did a unit set um the format for those sets feels very very similar to the war master i've actually done a little run of war master stories recently um but the only unit ones i've ever done were i did the first one with the autons which i thought was okay and i did the one with the master and the cybermen um which again i thought was okay um, I've heard really good things about the ones with the Silurians and the old unit team, and I've heard excellent things about the Silence uh, set, so I will have to get on to those next time. Maybe there's a unit sale. Um, the the, uh, Sil- yeah, the Silurians and old unit team, it's fun. It's actually really good to have Matt Yates and Sergeant Benson hanging out with Cake Stewart and that sort of thing. That works really, really well. Um, and the Silurians and Sea Devils were the perfect villains for it. And it's one of those sets that builds up. So in the first episode, you've got Benton and Mike. Uh, in the, I think it's the second, you've got Joe. And then it's only actually in the finale that they all kind of properly team up and we get old unit and new unit working as, as a single unit. <laughs> very nice. Very well done. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. They're very good to, uh, to sort of listen to. And like I say, that, that silence set is, it's definitely a highlight of the earlier releases. Um, I, I actually quite liked it when they went to doing a mix of one and two parters, which they did for uh, the last few sets before Nemesis. And there was a very good we're in two-parter in one of them. I think it was Chris Chapman that wrote it. Um, and it was sort of we're in at Windermere, uh, which was, it was a very kind of, it wasn't usual we're story. It wasn't the Ark in Space again or um, sort of what what uh the eighth doctor adventures did with the women or what um i'm trying to remember the sixth doctor one was it women isle the uh it was something like yeah i think it was sixth doctor and flip um it, it's very different it's actually a very unit story it's quite a sort of scientific story um uh very 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 human very what you'd expect from chris chapman you know sort of very very emotive very human kind of questioning who are the villains and all that kind of thing. Um, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, so moving on to something different. Um, so we've done what we've been listening to. I guess the next one is what we've been watching. And I have a funny feeling that this might stop being a Doctor Who podcast for a couple of minutes now, but never mind. Off you go. Yeah, so I've actually, I've been doing something different recently. Um, well, I say different. Um, it's it's still in the general realms of franchise sci-fi. Um, I've gotten really into Star Trek over the last little while. Um, and this sort of started a few years ago with um, Star Trek Discovery. Because I was on Net, I had Netflix and I was looking through things and I started watching Star Trek Discovery. And it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it. The cliffhanger to the first series of Discovery fascinated me. Because I had never ever seen Star Trek before. This was my first introduction to it. But um, the cliffhanger to the first series of, of Star Trek Discovery is the Discovery and its crew come face to face with the Enterprise. Um, the, 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 the original 1960s Enterprise. Um, but Kirk is not the captain. It's Captain Pike um, who was the uh, original captain of the Enterprise from the pilot uh, of of Star Trek. So it was the first episode of Star Trek ever made. I don't think it was shown for a long time. It was sort of cut up and turned into a sort of flashback episode later on. Um, and the only character who came out of it um, and into the main series was Mr. Spock. Um, so this this series ends. Uh, this first series of Discovery ends with them meeting the Enterprise before Kirk was the captain, and um, Captain Pike and Number One, who was also in that on you know that original pilot, um, are then regular characters through the second series of Discovery, um, and the, the whole thing of it is that Spock has gone missing, and they're trying to find him. So that's great, um, and I love that. I love those characters, and there's a bit in the uh, finale of the second series where they go over to the Enterprise, and there's this great reveal moment where they walk onto the bridge of the of the USS Enterprise, and it's sort of revealed that it's this shiny new set that looks really close to the original, but with sort of modern day production values. 
it looked phenomenal. Um, it's almost like they built it expecting there to be a spin-off series. That's the thing. I don't think they did. I think I've, I've sort of read into it, and I, you know, anyone who is more versed in the worlds of Star Trek than I am will tell me um, that I'm wrong. I'm sure, but they only they did go and do a spin-off series then, but it was only in response to the fan reaction to Captain Pike and the Enterprise stuff in that series, um, and the cast themselves signed the petition asking to do it. Um, and I think that's the only reason it happened in the end. Um, so that's great. I've, I, that's a long way of going about saying I've been watching Star Trek Strange New Worlds and really, really like it. Um, and I've sort of gone back now as well and I've started into the next generation. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Um, it sort of combines the best things about Doctor Who and Star Wars in that it's got the flashy, cool spaceships and aliens and strange worlds um that you would sort of expect from star wars um but it has sort of a little bit of doctor who's slightly more moral and ethical you know slightly more pacifist approach to it um and that's that's it's a nice combination like i've got really and i've become a total ship nerd like like you i i I'm, have gone out and bought prints of the enterprise um, that'll get I'll I'll be getting framed and put up. Um, I think Strange New Worlds is is my favorite of all that I've seen so far. There's um, it takes this sort of episodic approach that Star Trek had moved away from slightly with Discovery. Discovery was a bit more sort of serialized, um, and I believe Star Trek Picard was the same. Um, but Strange New Worlds has sort of gone back to that more sixties sort of episode of the week format or monster of the week format um and has a real wide variety of genres like there's a great episode um it's, it's like a submarine episode where the enterprise is damaged they have had to go into this nebula where their sensors don't function and they're being hunted by uh this uh they're being hunted by an alien species called the gorn um and it's brilliant it's really tense and it is a proper sort of submarine under threat sort of story um, and then you get total nonsense as well. There's there's these episodes where um, I haven't actually got to it yet. I haven't started watching the second series. I'm going to be doing that in the next few days, hopefully. But I believe there's a musical episode. Um, and they have also done uh, a crossover with Lower Decks, which is the animated series. Um, and it's the voice actors from Lower Decks come on and play their characters in live action, um, which is really, really cool. And I love that. Um so yeah, long. This is all just a long-winded way of me saying I've been watching some Star Trek and I'm really, really liking it. <laughs> you see, I, I have never really got on with Star Trek that much, and I've seen an awful lot of it. I actually um, more than somebody who doesn't really like a series would normally watch of one. Uh, and I have to admit, one thing that I think would improve all Star Trek. You were sort of saying that it has kind of the the moral compass of Doctor Who. One thing that would definitely improve Star Trek is if at the end of every episode, John Pertwee came on, sort of put his hands on his hips and went, and this is why we need to not do global warming, everybody. That would improve <laughs> Star Trek. I'd be there for that. It, do, it does feel a wee bit on the nose sometimes, uh, but I, I don't mind. It's uh, like I, I'm, I'm here 
because I, I'm mainly here for Star Trek. A, because a lot of the characters, I, I think Captain Pike is one of the most likable characters I've ever seen um, in any series. And he's not without his flaws. Um, like the series, the first series finale of Strange New Worlds um, sort of goes into a, a real flaw of his or what could be regarded as a real flaw of his. And it's one of the best episodes in the whole run. It's one of the best episodes of Star Trek that I have seen so far. Um, but I'm I, a lot of it I'm in here is because the Enterprise looks really cool. The bridge of the Enterprise looks really cool. Um, it's, it's just a visually gorgeous series. Um, really, really high production values. And as I say, the characters are all so likable. Um, like you have, as I say, you've got Captain Pike. Captain Pike is one of the best leaders I think I've seen in TV um because he's 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 not he's not overbearing um he's very rarely very rarely sharp with his crew um and is generally quite an understanding sort of fellow um number one is hilarious I think she's fantastic um I think and I I might be doing I might be saying this wrong she was she was only known as number one in the original pilot um and then they when they brought her back more recently, someone gave her the name Una. So, you know, one Una, etc., etc. But I believe she's also named after Una McCormick, who writes a lot of Star Trek fiction as well as Doctor Who and Big Finish. And whoever named her Una named her so after Una McCormick. Um, which might be I might be saying total nonsense, but as far as I know, that's the why that's why that character was named the way she is. Um and the guy they've got playing Spock's great as well. Um, that's I think, I think that's a bit of a plus for Star Trek over Star Wars in my book because what Star Wars has done as far as bringing old characters back is we've seen it mainly with Luke Skywalker um, in the Mandalorian, and it's the whole deep fake artificial intelligence face and voice. Whereas Star Trek has just gone for the we don't care if they don't look exactly the same or sound exactly the same. We are going for a complete new cast and it works. They're really convincing. Um, I believe they've just recast Scotty um, with someone who looks very similar to the original actor, but has the benefit of being an actual Scotsman. Um, <laughs> and I have seen a clip of him. I've seen a couple of clips. Of him. He's really good. And I'm, oh, I believe he has now been made the chief engineer of the enterprise, or I'm hoping that he's been made the chief engineer of the enterprise for the next series. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays in. Cause they have sort of introduced their own version of captain Kirk. There was a scene somewhere in the second series, um, which has Kirk Spock and Uhura meeting all together for the first time. And it's a bit of a moment. Um, and they're sort of building up to what people know of the original series of star Trek. Um, I just really love it, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting into that second series. Well, I, I, I hope you don't mind the spoiler, but Scotty does get made chief engineer of the Enterprise. Yes, it was it was established 55 years ago. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm joking. I, I, um, you, you know what I mean. I'm hoping. <laughs> yes, they've had yes, yes. they've had two different in Strange New Worlds. They've had two different chief engineers. Yes. so far, and I'm hoping that the third in the third series is going to be Mister Scott. See, I've. I mean, I've been watching quite a bit recently, actually. Um, one of the things I've been watching uh, is so many, many years ago, I think when it was actually still sort of a going concern, I started watching Star Wars Rebels and I never finished it. 
Uh, and then the Ahsoka series has come along and I went, oh, I better finish Rebels then. So I did. Uh, really enjoyed it. It was really, really good. But I was kind of concurrently watching Ahsoka and Rebels for a few weeks. I think there was sort of a four-week crossover where I was getting Rebels finished on Disney+, and there was a new Ahsoka every week as well. Um, and it, so I kind of knew how Rebels was going to end because of what happened in Ahsoka. And actually, it was really enjoyable. I, You know, it was nice to kind of watch two eras of the same universe at the same time. Uh, one thing I think that um, Star Wars has done exceptionally well, you know, we talk about you know Luke Skywalker and the deep fake stuff. I quite like that. She's fairly minimally. It's quite nice to have Mark Hamill still being Luke Skywalker set way back then. Um, but one thing I think that it has done really well is she was saying about Star Trek bringing over animated characters into live action star wars has done that so well um we've had quite a few now um i think katie sackoff as uh bo-katan Kreese was the first she popped up in mandalorian she's been in a couple of series now she voiced bo-katan in clone wars and rebels that was brilliant i thought okay you know that's a lot of fun that's really good we've got the same actor doing it and now they seem to have done uh quite a bit of that uh, the most sort of recent prominent one being uh, Lars Mikkelsen as Grand Admiral Thrawn uh, in the Ahsoka series. And wow, the dude could act. Like we knew the dude could act. I've seen him in plenty of things before. He was a bad guy in a series of Sherlock and all that kind of thing. But yeah, he was absolutely excellent in that. And he notably adjusted his performance. But I think, you know, you do have to adjust your performance between... Uh, between live action and between audio or animated or whatever you're doing. I mean, I think any guest that we've ever had on this podcast that's done some acting would tell you that. But, um, yeah, it, it's I really like where this sort of Disney Plus Star Wars series verse is going. And we know it's leading to a film. We know that Dave Filoni is going to be directing it. I'm looking forward to see what happens there. I think that's it, it's going in a good direction. It is this nice little tidy universe with Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Ahsoka. We know that more series are coming. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying watching it and getting through it. Um, the other stuff I've been listen, uh, listening to, Force of Habit, the other stuff I've been watching um is uh, I'm slowly working my way through Blake 7, just kind of in the hope that one day we'll do Blake 7 season by season on this podcast. Uh, I'm also revisiting the Sarah Jane adventures for many reasons. Uh, the main one being, and this is a this is a naughty confession, I've never actually watched series four and five. Uh, I watched uh, Death the Doctor, is it Death the Doctor? I think that's what it's called. The one where Joe Jones turns up. Um, I watched that when it was originally on, but the rest of series four and five, I never did the first time round. It was on around the time I went to university. And at that point, watching a CBBC series was a stretch even for me. Uh, at the moment, I'm on series three, so I'm not quite up to four and five yet, but I've not watched a lot of this since it was first broadcast. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Elizabeth Sladen's brilliant. All of the kids are brilliant. Uh, it just, yeah, this is an absolutely brilliant little part of the Hooniverse that I've not paid any attention to for well over a decade now. I quite liked what we had talked about marathons earlier on. I did, uh, uh, I did a Fifth Doctor marathon a few years ago and really, really enjoyed it. 
Um, I think his era out of all of Doctor Who is probably the most cohesive in that you can. I think his I think his era takes place over a relatively short period of time, and it is all fairly sort of back to back. Um, when I finished that, I weighed up doing a couple of different series. Like I thought I'd maybe do a third Doctor run and sort of mix up the TV and Big Finish stories. Um, I thought uh, I would maybe do a sixth Doctor run, but I sort of decided not to do that because it's very hard to do a linear sixth Doctor run, I think, just the way some of the Mel stuff works out. Um, and there's a lot of open ends there. The one that I settled on, and I think I will do at some stages, I would love to do a Sarah Jane Smith marathon. I would love to start with the Time Warrior um, and work my way up through the third Doctor era, through the fourth Doctor, do K9 and Company, do the Big Finish series, and then do a complete run of the Sarah Jane Adventures and finish off with Rani Takes on the World. I would love to do a Sarah Jane Smith marathon and will do someday. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm kind of watching it bit by bit. I'm not sort of sitting down and marathoning it. Just every now and again, I'm doing a couple of episodes and it's it's an awful lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Um well that probably is all we've got time for. We've we've sort of we've done an episode without a theme. We've done an episode without a plan even. We've just chatted about mostly the Hooniverse and a bit of Star Trek and Star Wars for an hour. So go us. We did it. That was quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Um Spodcast Unplanned. Um I think we we're, we're gonna do unbound. We're going to try and do a few of these, I think, in the Spodcast Coffee Bar, where we just sort of sit and drink coffee and talk about things. Um, So, yeah, we'll do one of these again. It's been sort of fun and interesting after doing 70-odd episodes meticulously planned to kind of go off-piste a bit. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, thank you very much for... Well, it was your suggestion. Thank you for suggesting this little deviation from the normal theme and uh, joining me for it. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. And uh, we shall shall do more. Um, So, yeah, it's it's goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Connor. Goodbye. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. (laughs) Goodbye goodbye from him. Goodbye from me. (laughs) And probably also goodbye from me as well. Um, But yeah, we'll be back for more spotcasting soon. Goodbye now.